right now, I am going to prove to you, my viewers all over the world, that I'm a good guy. Now, I know some of you have questions about that, but here is the proof. So as you know, a killing the mob was number one for nine weeks. But then it wasn't number one because another book took its place. And that book is called American Marxism by a guy named Mark Levin. You may have heard of him. So rather than brood about this and hurl invective Mr. Levin's way, I'm putting him on a program tonight. And you're going to see him in a moment. But first, I want to set up American Marxism. So as you know, we've been reporting on this for, I would say, two years, you know, uh, and we, we really stepped it up after the George Floyd incident that there is a strain in the United States that wants to replace our capitalistic system with socialism slash Marxism. And we've proven it beyond a reasonable doubt. If you still don't believe it, all you need to do is go to the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation website where they clearly say the three women who founded that organization, we're Marxists. We are. They're not like they're hiding it. They're proud of it. So in the months after George Floyd, the following corporations donated a lot of money to the Marxist Black Lives Matter Global Foundation, Amazon, Microsoft, Intel, Reddit, Uber, Warner Music Group, Cisco, Gatorade, Nabisco, And then there were private people, Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Justin Bieber, Leonardo DiCaprio, Lady Gaga, on and on and on and on. Now, are all of those people Marxists? I mean, what the deuce are they doing? So joining us now from Florida is the aforementioned author of the number one bestseller, American Marxism. Uh, Mark Levin, you know him. He's on radio. He's on television. He'll come to your house and cut your lawn if you're nice to him. I mean, he's just everywhere. So this is what I I can't explain to my audience very lucidly. These big corporations that would be dismantled, actually confiscated if Marxism was the system in America, they're pumping millions of dollars into that system. Can you explain it? Well, if you look at history, and thank you, Bill, for having me, there were a lot of corporations that worked hand in glove with Nazi Germany, with the Third Reich, even though they were claiming to be capitalist organizations. They're not really so much pro-capitalism as they're pro-corporatism. And I explained in the book a couple attitudes about this. Number one, the boards have moved hard left with uh, new and newer board members. Number two, they want to destroy their competition. What better way to destroy your competition than to get in bed with the regulators? Number three, many of them have decided that the Democrat Party and this agenda is going to win because in so many respects, the Republicans are weak, uh, that these movements have already devoured main cultural aspects of our society. And so it's not that they're particularly patriotic. Many of them want to do business in China. Many of them do business in China. They don't much care about how much genocide is going on there. And so these are these are different type of uh, corporate boardroom I think we're dealing with today and over the last several decades. So it doesn't surprise me. And of course, they get no pushback from us. 
the left goes to shareholder meetings. They show up by the hundreds. They make demands. Uh, they they conduct boycotts and and they try to get pension funds to divest. We don't do anything except complain about it and talk about it. And that's one of the points of my book. It's time that we become a little bit more engaged. We don't have to change our lives the way they do. They're 24-7 at this. But how about we spend a few minutes every day or an hour every week uh, doing what we need to do to push back. And we need to begin boycotting. We need to begin sanctioning. We need to be begin divesting. All right, let's get to that. Uh, we need to Let, become we'll get litigious. to that in a minute. But I yeah. still want to, I, I want to pick up this theme. So Disney, you don't get a more American than Disney, all right? The Disney Corporation is full woke. Would you agree with that? They're 100% oh, yeah. in. Okay. Now, I don't know whether Bob Iger, a billionaire, runs Disney. Is I don't think he's a Marxist or a socialist. Um, but what he does is enable this kind of fascism, particularly on speech, to take root. That's what he does. And I'll give you an example. I think you may know this. In Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and in Disneyland in Anaheim, California, the public address people can no longer say the words, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. They're gone. That's fascism. Okay? Uh, they're ordered. No, by that's their... Marxism. Well, you link it into Marxism. Okay. I'll explain it in a minute. All right. But I don't think Iger and the board of Disney would cop to being Marxists. I don't think well, they I want to explain that. Okay. It's not that they copped to being Marxist. I didn't call the book Marxism. I called it American Marxism. It's an Americanized form of Marxism. And it's for this reason. They have adapted the fundamentals, the oppressed versus the oppressor, the victim versus the victimized. Uh, they reject so many of our founding principles, whether they're billionaires, whatever they're doing and so forth is, is beside the point. They're not Marxists in the old Soviet way. They're not Marxists, they're not Maoists, they're not Leninists. But they, but they embrace the idea uh, that the culture is rotten because they promote it. If they didn't promote it, uh, then it wouldn't matter what all these Marxist movements are doing. They embrace the idea. You can't find a dime's worth of difference with them on Black Lives Matter. You just said they help subsidize them. Uh, they say almost nothing about Antifa. When it comes to climate change, which I explain in the book is an old degrowth movement that came out of uh, Europe. Uh, they're all in on climate change. They help fund these movements. Uh, they're all in on critical race theory. And this is what I mean. It's an Americanized, tailorized form of Marxism. Now, they don't want to nationalize businesses and stuff like that. But they take the fundamentals where you must have class warfare based on whatever it is. Marx talked about economic class warfare. This Americanized form has expanded it. Uh, it's been tailored to our American system to seek but our do imperfections. You think, do you yeah. think that Iger and the boys sitting there in Beverly Hills uh, are aware of that? Do you think they're doing it on purpose? Well, they're not doing it by accident. So you and think I will that say they this. know that Disney and the board of directors and the CEO know and want than to tear down the traditional American system, both economically and socially. You think they want to do this and are using the power of their corporation to make it happen? Actually, it doesn't matter to me whether they think it or not. This book isn't written for the media. It's not written for the corporate titans. It's not written for the left. It's written for the average American to read and find out what's going on in this country. But let me address that. Not only doesn't it matter to me what they think they are, the fact of the matter is they're promoting it. If these corporations weren't promoting it, 
And if these various cultural institutions like our media were not promoting it, it wouldn't be an issue. That's if our true. school districts weren't promoting it, it wouldn't matter. That's absolutely the culture true. has been conquered. And so I'm trying, I said, here's what happened. I looked at this. I didn't come up with this title until three months before I turned this book. And I said, what the hell is going on here? And I went back, I'll give you an example, climate change. I said, what climate change, climate warming, climate cooling, is it happening? Isn't it happening? This is a movement. One degree here or there, they want to change our entire economy. Who are these people? And I go back and I researched it and I saw this comes out of the 1970s out of Europe, an entire movement. It's all out there for people to see. It's not about global warming or cooling or climate. It is about a degrowth movement aimed first at the United States, the Industrial Revolution, which Marx was always upset about the Industrial Revolution because it proved his entire theory false. The bourgeoisie was not overthrown by the great proletariat. The great proletariat became the great middle class that loves America and defends America and fights for America. So they've been on a hate on from the American capitalist system from day one, and they hate being called what I call them. Whether they believe it or not, I don't much give a damn. You can't find, Bill, a dime's worth of difference between the vast majority of the media today and any of these movements. Now, on page 34 of your book, you have a quote from a guy who says, social movements thrive on conflict. And what basically that is, is that you have to create so much chaos if you want to change a system. And you can see that throughout history. I know you're a historian. You know how the Russian Revolution happened, how the rise of the Third Reich happened. And, and you've got to create all of this confusion so the people just don't know what the deuce is going on. And that they then go into whatever they feel is safe or what promises them the most. And that is a very, very smart theme of your book. Now, my question, because you know I'm a simple man. Joe Biden is a leader of the United States. He has done more to enable the progressive left and all of the woke stuff than any other president in history, including Barack Obama, by far. Now, Biden will never read your book, and I don't even think he'll have the time to have Jill read it to him, okay? But if you were to have him right here, Biden would never admit to being, oh, I don't want Marxism. I don't want socialism. You know he wouldn't. Do you think he has any clue what's really happening? Here's the thing. One of the things I also say in the book is this, Bill. We have to take the language back. And we have to understand what's going on in this country. This isn't liberalism. This isn't progressivism. This isn't social activism. This isn't democratic socialism, which are uh, two terms that don't really work together. This is what it is. And they may not like me calling it, but my calling it exactly what it is. And that's part of the book. We have to have the courage to use the terms properly. Now, as a perfect example, the early progressive movement was a byproduct of Marxism. The early progressives, whether Woodrow Wilson, but in particular John Dewey and so forth, they embraced it. John Dewey went back to Moscow in 1928 when Stalin was in full roar. And he looked at the educational system and he said, this is what we need to be doing. We need to unite around the communal. We have to, and you've written, you've talked about this. I think you call them the SPs or something to that, that effect. Right. And uh, it's exactly right. Right. But yeah. Biden himself, so, as the leader, is, is cultivating yeah. this. He's making it easier for the Ocasio-Cortezes right. and all of these people. Do you think he knows what he's doing? 
these people will never say, "I he found me out, Levin did. I'm an American Marxist. Of course not. But I want Frank and Sally and Mohammed and Yitzhak and everybody else in America to understand. This is what they're promoting. They self-identify as something else. This is also another tactic. In terms of Biden, no, of course he doesn't know. But he is the main, as you point out, the main foil through which they operate. He has signed executive order after executive he's order promoting every one of these movements. So I don't think he knows what he's doing, period. Um, he's never really had any spine. You know that from his senatorial career. Right. Um, I think his church is going to boot him uh, in November. And that'll be a huge story. Final question on politics. Kamala Harris, is she more hardcore progressive than Biden? You know, I don't know, Bill, if we've ever had a time, certainly in modern history, we've had two people who are completely unqualified to serve in the positions they're in. Kamala Harris, though, is more of an outwardly ideological, I think. Uh, Biden is a chameleon, but I think she's more outwardly ideological. There's not a single one of these, what I call these spawned American Marxist movements that she disagrees with. In fact, she had a more radical voting record than Bernie Sanders. Uh, that's another one who gets away with, I'm a democratic socialist. That guy's been an old red Marxist since day one when he was screaming on a soapbox in Brooklyn, New York. But that said, yes, she clearly is. I mean, look, do they talk about individual liberty ever? Do they talk about American sovereignty ever? Do they ever praise American capitalism? They trash the founders. They trash the founding. They trash the declaration and the constitution. They support people pulling down monuments. They support people effectively burning books, brainwashing our children. If it's not what I call American Marxism, then what the hell is it? Last question. NBC is the most woke of the powerful corporations that control the media. That's Comcast. All right. Second is AT&T CNN. I see it as a money play for NBC. They got their butt kicked when I was at Fox News. They could never do anything. They never made any money. But then they went far left, and now they're making a little bit of money. CNN was the Hey Trump network. They made a little money doing that. Is it all about money for Comcast and AT&T, or are they buying into this progressive socialist trend? I think in this specific respect, these massive corporations that own these these news platforms, they don't need to own these news platforms. They can make a ton of money without them. I think they uh, they own them as a protection racket. CNN's never going to do a negative story on AT&T. And NBC and MSNBC are never going to do a negative story on Comcast. So I think they like having these outlets. They like having them woke. Uh, they're part of that, that milieu of... Uh, of corporatists who who are down for the revolution, even though they're out there trying to make every little nickel they possibly can. So I just want to be clear. I know they don't self-identify as American Marxists. If they did, I wouldn't have to write this book. I'm identifying them. I'm explaining why I think they are, that it is a unique form of Marxism. There was a great piece written by Professor Paul Kengor from Grove City in the American Spectator. And he's an expert on communism. He's an expert on the Cold War. And he said, what's unique about this book is that he feels I've identified something that's happening, something that's going on, and I've labeled it properly. And we'll see, because I think I have, but we'll see if, if people right. agree with me. And you're uh, on your radio and television platforms, you're saying to the American people in these 
corporations, the ones we just named and many, many more, don't do business with them, right? Just don't do business with them. To the extent you can, boycott them. And then also look what we did with Goya. Also promote those who, who, who are patriotic. I mean, what the hell? Why should we subsidize our own demise? Why should we subsidize companies that hate our guts? Does that go for movie stars and people like that? Is that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Aniston, these people? Okay. All right, the book number one, and you know, I'm not holding a grudge that that Killing the Mobs number three. We love you, Uh, Bill. uh, (laughs) American Marxism, Mark Levin. Thanks very much. Hope we can talk again. I appreciate you coming on. You too. Okay. God bless. I thought that was a pretty interesting interview. I hope you did too. Let me know what you think. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Name in Tanafush to opine. So there is a black conservative group that is urging all American schools to drop critical race theory teaching and adopt a 1776 Unites curriculum. All right. That curriculum basically says that America is a noble country and it celebrates black excellence, rejects victimhood, and showcases the millions of African-Americans who have prospered by embracing their country's founding ideals. Now this story, and this comes out of the Robert Woodson group, is gonna be ignored, totally ignored, by the corporate media. Because they don't want you to know that there are African-Americans who don't want CRT. And that is a scandal, is that we don't get across the board what's happening. We only get woke stuff. Now, there's a guy uh, on Blaze TV, that's the Glenn Beck operation. His name is Jason Whitlock. We've had him on before. And he's really, really adamant that the woke media is damaging the country. Mr. Whitlock joins us now from Nashville, Tennessee. So you're not surprised that Robert Woodson's group's going to get blacked out by the woke media. You're not, you see this all the time. Why do you think it's happening? What is allowing this dishonesty in the corporate media? Well, as it relates to Bob Woodson and 1776 United and his pushback against CRT, Bill, the left has decided to define African-Americans and our journey as a journey of tragedy. And the only thing they want talked about are tragedies. When you think of black people, they want you to think of tragedies. They don't want to celebrate accomplishments. They don't want to celebrate the fact that black people working with Christians here in America and believers conquered and defeated slavery sacrificed their lives, black and white people, hundreds of thousands of white people sacrificed their lives so that black people could live free in this country. They don't want to tell that story. They don't want to tell the story of what Dr. King and the civil rights uh, movement accomplished. Every other group gets to have their accomplishments celebrated. The left has decided there will be no celebration of black people and our accomplishments. There will only be a focus on isolated tragedies and incidents that portray America in a bad in a bad light and portray black people as victims. So of course the mainstream media is not going to pick up on but what then Bob Wilson ha- and these guys are suggesting. But then we have to take it a step further. 
So the corporate leftist media, and that includes the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, the Boston Globe, all the networks, CNN, they want to keep African-Americans angry. Angry, okay? Um, and I'm Bill, saying to myself- I'm going to go a step further, though. I, go ahead. I, I want to go a step further, Bill, because I want you to understand the real big picture. What they're trying to do with the black narrative is define the American experiment as a failure. That way they can say, this whole country's been a failure. We must completely rewrite the Constitution because America was founded in evilness. Its, its founding documents are therefore evil. It hasn't worked for black people in this country. It hasn't worked for the LGBT community in this country. America's a failure. Let's rewrite everything. That's the end game. That's a very perceptive um, statement, Jason. And I'm not patronizing you. It, it's very smart. So they're using African-Americans and other groups to try to destroy traditional America. But I'll submit to you that African-Americans are helping them, generally speaking. They're buying into this. Do you see it that way? I see it. I think there's truth in what you're saying. No question about it, Bill. I, I think that people are looking at the way racism and accusations of racism are being used to acquire power. People are attracted to that. And so you're seeing a lot of black people lean into that. How can I become a victim and continue this narrative that everything about America is rigged against us, and I can use that complaint and an allegation to elevate myself, to make it so that, oh, they must have me in a prominent position on this television network or in this role as a contributor on this network, or they look racist. But I don't believe the overwhelming majority of black people are in support of critical race theory and this strategy, I think many people, just like black people are no different than any other group of people. They're so busy trying to pay their bills, take, take, their, take care of their kids, take care of themselves, that this thing that the cultural elites are doing, this elitist group of Ivy League educated uh, black people are getting on TV and are involved in academia and promoting this narrative. I think the great mass of black people are just too busy with their own lives to correct them and to okay. get involved in any kind of way. And so maybe, they put maybe the so, but, Sharptons, I, but I, I think there's more to it than that. And you're a sports guy. And so let's use a sports analogy. Yep. There's a tremendous amount of peer pressure. So if, if a conservative athlete goes into the locker room, whether he's black or white or she, and, and says, you know what, I'm not buying into all of this. That can get you ostracized on a team. That gets you critically hammered. You saw what happened to Drew Brees in New Orleans. Um, and so that peer pressure, not a, just in a locker room, but it's on the streets too. If you don't conform to the victimization narrative, you got some problems. I'll give you the last word on it. I'll say this, Bill. When you say it's on the streets, 
I say it's on the social media streets where there is great retribution and penalty for not towing the line. But just look at commercial hip hop music. It's not a music of victimization. You don't, the rap music isn't out saying, oh God, look what happened to me. It's actually talking about this is what I'll do to you in pursuit of financial reward and gains. And so I think in the big tech, Silicon Valley controlled uh, social media world, yes, you are punished for not towing that line. On the actual streets, I'm not so sure. The things that I say on my show, the things I'm saying to you, I've said in barbershops and on bar stools all across the black community, no one recoils from it. No one thinks I'm crazy for saying it. Most people nod their head in agreement. But really? over That's social media, do they do that? No. No, yeah, because know. there's a penalty to be paid. All right, Jason, we'll continue the conversation. You're a great guest, and we really appreciate you making time for us. Thank you, Bill. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Let's go to COVID. So I still get letters, and I'm going to read a couple of them about people who are, you know, anti-vaccine and, and all that. And all I can say is we report the facts of COVID here. That's what we do. And then you can decide what to do with those facts. This Delta variant of COVID is more contagious than the original. It's obvious. 95% of the people who are getting the Delta variant are unvaccinated. That's it. Now, if you won't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. Those are hospitals reporting to Atlanta. All right, and the hospitals do their due diligence when someone comes in. So if you don't believe it, then you don't believe it, but it's like saying there are four seasons. Well, I'm not gonna believe that. Okay, fine. So the Delta variant now is whipping around this country and the people who are not vaccinated are getting it and spreading it to other non-vaccinated people. There are some vaccinated people, particularly with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that are getting it, but usually a very mild case of it, okay? So that's the fact, that, that's your baseline. But now we have a big problem in children, 
All right. What are we going to do when the kids go back to school and some of them are already in session? Uh, are you going to make them wear masks? So I, I asked my staff, and I did a very nice job of this, to um, get some stats. And we got them from the American Academy of Pediatrics. So at the top of the line. So stat number one is that of all the cases of COVID since the beginning of the pandemic in the USA, children comprise 14%. That's under the age of 18. Okay? So that's a very low number. 23 states have reported children being hospitalized because of COVID. But 27 states have had not one child in the hospital. That's, I didn't, that stat is pretty amazing. Okay? According to the CDC's COVID data tracker, as of August 8th, and today is the 9th, so that is yesterday, 3% of children ages 12 to 15 are vaccinated. That's all. But they're not getting COVID or the Delta very much so far. Only 2% ages 16 to 70 are vaccinated. So that's 5% altogether of kids under the age of 18. Remember, if you're under the age of 12, you cannot get the vaccine because they haven't done enough studies to see um, if it's worthwhile or not. So um, the fact is that at this point, children are, are seemingly resistant to the worst parts of COVID. And those who do get it, get it like the flu. So in UK, they did a study on the kids, 5 to 17. This is from the Lancet Child and Adolescent Health Journal. It said most children with COVID recover within a week. It's like the flu. But now you've got this hue and cry uh, to have the kids masked up in school. So I want to talk to uh, one of the best experts in the country about that. And he comes to us from Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. William Schaffner is a professor of infectious diseases at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. First of all, in the stats that I just gave, did anything um, strike you, stand out? Well, I'm, I have a great deal of respect, Bill, for the American Academy of Pediatrics, but I was surprised that a substantial number of states have not had any admissions of children for COVID to their hospitals. That seems anomalous. I would like to explain that. 27? Yeah, well, that, I, I, I mean, I, I, that, it, that caught my eye, too. That caught my eye. Because what's happened here in Tennessee just recently, let me give you just three quick numbers. In early July, we had about four children in all of the hospitals in Tennessee admitted with COVID. Mid-July, it went up to 17. And as of Friday, it was 27. So it's clearly increasing. And some of those children are in pediatric intensive care units, which is pretty darn in unusual. Our commissioner of health, who's a pediatrician, is really worried about this. Uh, All right. So you went from four concerned. kids to 27 kids with this uh, variant. And those are those are human beings under the age of 18, correct? Correct. OK, so that's still a very small number of the population in Tennessee. You're not. Um, and remember, again, I'll remind everybody, be 12, birth to 12, no vaccine. Okay, you don't get it. But when there's an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal on the op-ed page by two esteemed doctors, and, and we check them out, and they're very, very, you know, credible. 
They say that wearing a mask in most situations is more harm than good to the student, especially the teenage student. It's more harm than good, so that, that the cure is worse than the disease here. But you don't believe that, do you? Well, first of all, let me tell you, of the two, I know one of them pretty well, and I do respect him. But his view is very different than that of the American Academy of Pediatrics, which undoubtedly your staff has told you has recommended that every child who goes to school uh, should be wearing a mask this fall. And I certainly agree with that. And the pediatricians here at uh, Vanderbilt certainly agree with that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, but, I would have if, a difference. But if the transmission level is so low now, why, why, and, and, you know, 27 states don't have any cases in those states where there isn't a lot of uh, Delta or COVID in general, why would you impose that on children? Well, first of all, I'm not sure about those numbers. I'd have to look at that again. Uh, happy to do that with you sometime and the AAP. But I think what we're trying to do is uh, prevent cases. We don't know how much transmission is occurring. We can hold two thoughts in our mind at the same time. There may be a fair amount of low symptomatic spread that's not being tested, relatively few people getting sick. But as children come together in schools, we don't, we, what we want to do is avoid an explosion of cases in schools across the country. And of course, the, there are a number of ways to do that. Everybody who should be vaccinated should be vaccinated. And then what we do is, in addition, put another layer of protection out to reduce transmission, particularly to the youngsters. I don't I see. I disagree. And I'm not a medical person. I'm coming at it from a more uh, of a common sense point of view. So what I would do if I were the governor of any state, what I would allow each school district to make the decision and then parents would be involved in that. So if you wanted your child to wear a mask, then the child could wear the mask. But if you said no, the child didn't have to. I would require teachers in the classroom to be vaccinated. I would absolutely do that. All right. And anybody, any adult on the campus would have to be vaccinated because you just don't want, you want to cut down any potential danger. And I would also require in a school district that has a spike or a school district that has a school itself, that then it would change. Um, and then the principal could say public health, we'll have to wear masks or we're all off for the week. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a little bit better than one size fits all, pardon the pun? Well, uh, first of all, we're a little bit closer than you might think. Uh, I like everything you said, and I would add something. If the local health department determines that there's a high rate of transmission in that community, then I think masks ought yeah, to be I, obligatory. No argument from me. Um, if there's a high rate of transmission and a public health alert, which these people should be getting out. But otherwise, doctor, you're talking about the flu. So every year, kids get the flu and they're in the schools. And, and, and you know, as the British study showed, you know, Five days are out of the flu. And the, and the downside of the mask is substantial. Last word. Well, I don't think the downside of the mask is very substantial at all. And we have to remember, 
every child who's infected and, and gets sick, for that family, it's 100%. There have been over, over 300 children that have died of COVID in the United States. We can keep that number even lower if, you know, we, we don't want it to grow. We want to keep that number as low as possible. All right, Doc. Thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. It was very nice to talk to you. Thank you, Bill. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. All right, let's get on to COVID. As I mentioned, the booster shots are coming. Um, and the mask mandates also on public transportation through January 2022. Biden administration has said if you take a train, bus, passenger vehicle that is uh, Uber or something like that, ships, airlines, you got to wear a mask. Okay. So Reuters first broke this story. It confirmed by the administration now, mask mandates on public transportation. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not wearing a mask. I, I guess I, if I have to take a plan, I'm going to have to wear the mask or Amtrak or something like that. I guess I'm going to have to do it. But if I have an option, I'll drive my own car. Um, I, I just, I really, I'm done with the masks. Just me. So the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, a team that can never really get untracked, is demanding that all their fans be vaccinated, but you can get the vax at the stadium. Now, um, if you are unvaxxed the Raiders, I don't know if I really want vaccine coming from the Las Vegas Raiders. So, but anyway, it's the first NFL team. The others will follow. That you got to be vaxxed in the stands. Okay, but we'll give you the vax if you come to the stadium with a ticket and then you got to be masked. You have to, the people that get the shot, because you got to get two, uh, they're not J&J. That vaccine is pretty much out the window now. It doesn't protect you enough. So um, the people that you'll see in the Vegas stadium wearing a mask are the ones that are unvaxxed um, or just got the vax. Uh, New Zealand. Now, this is a kind of loopy country down there. Beautiful. Never been there. It's on my list. Uh, so they have one case of COVID, one, since February. And it's a 58-year-old man. And he was unvaccinated. So they found out that he's got COVID in Auckland. This is uh, New Zealand's largest city. And they've shut down a whole country. One. One guy. So only businesses and services deemed essential will be allowed to operate. One guy got it. So it's... You know, 
It may be bad here, but it's worse than New Zealand. So Texas Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott's got COVID. He took the shot, the vax, on December 22nd, 2020 on live TV. So he's vaxxed. But he got it probably from a uh, political rally he attended in Collin County outside of Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, he was around a lot of people. and he, Nobody had masks, and he got it. But here's the deal, as Joe Biden would say. Uh, he doesn't have any symptoms, okay, or fever or aches and pain. He doesn't have anything. But they test the governor uh, regularly, and he has His wife doesn't have it. So even if it's a breakthrough case and you're vaxxed, you're not on your back or in the hospital. Pope Francis, uh, he is advocating for the vaccine. He said, quote, getting the vaccines that are authorized by the respective authorities is an act of love. And helping the majority of people to do so is an act of love. Love for oneself, love for our families and friends, love for all peoples. So he's basically saying, you know, we got to give the vax to Africa and other countries. And I agree with that. You know, we have to be vaccinated first, but we should be spreading it around. So now uh, the Pope is on board with the vax. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So here's the final thought of the day. The urchins are driving me nuts. And the reason is last minute stuff. So we in the O'Reilly household book ahead. Plan ahead because we're busy. And when we plan something, we like to commit to keep our commitment, especially if it involves other people. So now I got a rash of urchins coming to me going, oh, no, no, I have to go to this party. I know this just happened. I have to, I have to, I have to. I go, what about the commitment? What about we told these people we we're going to go and do this? What about them? What about all the planning? So this is what's happening today in our society. It's a last-minute society. People don't like to commit. They don't like to plan. Whatever comes up, you know. And ah, if we make a commitment, we honor it. So our motto here is, if you say you'll do it, you'll do it. But that has caused a lot of angst lately. But that's the motto, and I'm not changing it. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.